your boy. Welcome to Shug Me the Mooney, episode 85. And this week I wanted to do, uh, I mentioned last week, like I, I was going to do something that I wanted to do, but time permitting and being able to put it all together and make it, you know, awesome for you guys. Uh, I really didn't have like the time to put in the effort to do it this week, but hopefully I can next week, which is an appreciation of Ivan Reitman. Um, if you're not familiar with him off of name alone, he directed Ghostbusters, um, the movie Meatballs, uh, Junior, Twins, um, all these different movies. And he had his hands in a little bit of everything. So I was just going to talk about, you know, his influence and his son, uh, Jason Reitman. He directed such movies as Juno, um, Up in the Air. And he's a great director in his own right. And he actually just directed the newest um, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I actually got to see last weekend. So I really wanted to discuss that movie. And that's what I was waiting for. But unfortunately, this week, um schedule kind of got really heavy and a lot of stuff um came up that I wasn't able to do a beautiful and well done appreciation um segment that you guys are used to so hopefully I could put it together by next week's episode but this week you know we're obviously going to talk about you know the latest episode of euphoria we have an award of the week at the end of, of the episode and uh what i wanted to get into first uh is something that's been kind of in the headlines the last couple of weeks and it's joe rogan and his podcast which is featured um here on spotify if you're listening to this on spotify um and they really invested like you know a shit ton of money into his show and you know joe rogan's like appeal is that you know he's you know a guy's guy he's um um you know he comes from a comedic background from a stand-up background um he does ufc commentary so a lot of people know him from that and then another thing that people also remember him from is hosting fair factor uh back in the two you know early 2000s but currently presently he's doing a show and it's you know just like this podcast or any other podcast um where you're not not really um confined to a certain genre um where it's just you know talking and expressing uh your ideas and having conversations. Uh, he touches on a lot of things that are controversial and it's a lot of things that could be offensive to many, if not plenty of people. And that's something we've seen so far. And, you know, it recently came out that Spotify removed like over 70 I, I believe the first number was 70, but it went up to like a hundred and something episodes where in which like he used the N word 
and you know the reason his name started you know popping up a lot more is because you know he's been accused of spreading misinformation about the COVID vaccination and you know I agree with it but you know a lot of people are are going a step further and requesting that Spotify remove him a lot of people are boycotting Spotify um rightly so uh we've seen artists such as uh Joni Mitchell and Neil Young remove their music from Spotify um in protest to them you know um keeping Joe Rogan on and you know what I always say about cancel culture is you know the 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 market dictating itself for um it's the market it, it's the it is the market it's the market dictating your necessity and uh, it's unfortunate because Joe Rogan has a shit ton of subscribers so it's kind of hard to kind of take that away from them even though these people clearly have um poor taste in who they listen to so you know from that standpoint i understand why spotify is working so hard to not remove joe rogan and is you know ironically kind of coincides with you know somebody who's actually like a friend of joe rogan dave Chappelle. you know the same thing with netflix where it's like you know, on that side, you know, in this argument, like, I'm against Joe Rogan, and, like, if they removed his stuff, like, cool, you know, I would totally support that, but on the other side, with Dave Chappelle, if you've been watching or listening to the show, like, you know, I, I, I've i said that one of the main reasons I have Netflix is to continue to see Dave Chappelle doing stand-up, and I would, I as a fan would feel on it would be unfair to remove his stuff when I'm still, you know, a fan of it. You know, I understand that there's some people that don't want to hear this stuff, but um, for me, I still find it interesting. And you know, I'm, I continue subscribing, and I'm pretty sure like people who subscribe to Joe Rogan feel the same way. So it'd be interesting to see whether or not um. Spotify takes this stuff down. I mean, me as a Spotify subscriber, and of course, you know, I put this show out on Spotify amongst other streaming services. So if you are boycotting Spotify, you'd still be able to find us. You know, I find it hard um, to be like, all right, like, you know, I'm going to take my, my stuff off of Spotify or I'm going to, you know, unsubscribe to Spotify because, I, for one, don't listen to Joe Rogan, so I ignore him and I don't feed into his um his fan base or his views or his listens or any of that. You know, what I hope comes from this, you know, and, you know, these artists pulling their music from it and people boycotting it is that I hope, you know, people, you know, the people that do listen to him probably, like, change their mind and it's just like, you know, uh do I really need to be listening to this guy? Uh, and I think that's the most you could do, but flat out outright being like, yeah, like pull his stuff. I don't know if I can support that. I don't support Joe Rogan. I do feel that, you know, being a person, and I came to find out it's interesting. And it's like, it, it actually kind of made me like giggle. 
that his wife was previously involved in a relationship with Dino Shazam of H-Town. You know, people know the song Knocking the Boots. Um, and he actually unfortunately passed away in 2003, but they had a daughter um, whom, if I'm not mistaken, Joe Rogan uh, is raising. Uh, I know he's definitely raising her, but I, I believe she was adopted by him or, um, you know, at the end of the day, like that's his stepdaughter and she's biracial. Um, you know, he has a you know, friends who are African-Americans because I'm pretty sure he was friends with um, other Black comedians besides Dave Chappelle. So it's scary that he is so, um, he's so comfortable using the N-word and, you know, it's not even just using the N-word. I think, like, a lot of the times in the clips I've seen, it's like he used the actual word you know, in the same way I'm saying the N-word to describe what he's saying, like he's, he used the actual word instead of the N-word. And, you know, that's a thing a lot of people have a problem with, including myself. But one of the things like I really hate um, that I've seen that he said is like, I think he went into like a black neighborhood. Um, He found himself in a black neighborhood and he started, he said he fell into, he, he felt like he was in Planet of the Apes. Um, which is ironic because it's insulting, but if you've ever seen like Planet of the Apes, like the original film or even the shitty remake or even the new um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes series, like the apes in those movies created like a civilized um, and functional society. So to say that he landed in Planet of the Apes is meant to be some kind of insult, but on the flip side, it's like, if you've actually seen the movie is like it's not as insulting as you think it is you know you're calling these people apes but um and you're associating this movie but if you saw the actual movie like these people i mean the apes were actually fully functioning and um were able to dominate the human race and take over the world so to to say like yeah i landed in planet apes it was meant to say that these people were um subhuman and shit like that but in the movies like they actually were like quite the opposite which is ironic but it's insulting nonetheless less to to associate african-americans with you know with um as being apes as we know um the racist culture of this country not only this country but around the world because you know you see soccer matches where um in europe where uh bananas are being thrown at players and you know the crowd are making monkey sounds and stuff like that so it's insulting nonetheless but i do find it ironic when you use the movie planet of apes to to insult people to try to say that they're uncivilized or the animal like you know when that movie and our movie the 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 plot twist so to speak or the the idea of our movie is that apes had evolved to a point in which that they were the dominant species in society but you know like i said he has a black stepdaughter and he has black friends so for him to be so comfortable and also other part of like the oh how can he be racist he has black friends um which was something i was stated by 
Andrew Yang, where he he, which I, I thought was like incredibly weird, and I had to like double check and make sure that it was actually Andrew Andrew Yang's account that tweeted it, and you know, in reference to Andrew Yang saying, you know, he can't be racist because he works with black people and does business with black people all the time. It's ironic, and let me just preface this by saying like. There is no room for bigotry or hatred or violence of anybody because of their race. But for Andrew Yang to say, like, oh, he can't be racist because he associates with Black people and he works with Black people and he does business with Black people, does shows with Black people. You know, Andrew Yang being an Asian American, you know, you've seen what's going on in this country with the violence that was perpetrated against the Asian community. Yet a lot of people were, you know, throwing African-Americans under the bus saying that, you know, African-Americans have an uh, inherent bias and hatred towards the Asian community. But in response to that, a lot of African-Americans were saying, well, you know, there's a lot of Asian-Americans that do business in the African-American community, whether that be restaurants, uh, beauty supply chains, uh, nail salons you know, laundry masks or, or dry cleaning businesses. So we have lived with seeing Asian people in our community throughout our life. But there were a lot of attacks on the Asian community, um, done by some African-Americans, done by some white Americans, done by other different types of people. It was done by a lot of people. And it was, you know, a side effect of you know, a lot of bigotry being perpetrated in um, during this pandemic, you know, and it was furthered by Donald Trump when he was president and it was furthered by a lot of different hateful people, but it doesn't justify it much in the same way that, you know, Andrew Yang saying that it doesn't justify um, Joe Rogan's language, but, you know, like I said, I don't listen to Joe Rogan, nor do I have a desire to. A matter of fact, I mean, I, I said it way back when at some point we were talking about like the man show. And there was a point where him and another gentleman replaced Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla. And that's when I like stopped watching the man show. And a lot of people stopped watching the man show because it was like canceled, you know, not too far after that. Um. You know, never really watched Fair Factor. It wasn't my, you know, cup of tea. And I never really watched UFC. I've never really been into UFC. So Joe Rogan as a person never interests me. And, you know, the fact that he never interests me, like, also adds into the fact of, like, I really wouldn't care about his opinions in, on things. And if he has an opinion, that's his right. But the, the sad thing is he does have a lot of subscribers and a lot of people who listen to him and take his word as gospel. And that's the dangerous part. So I think we need, he needs to understand like, you know, his voice and his platform and spreading misinformation because he might think to himself like, Hey, this is just my opinion. These are my ideas. You could think for him, yourself, but the unfortunate side effect of being such a high profile person with such a big platform is like you're thinking for yourself you know some people take 
you thinking for yourself as you thinking for them and they agree with everything you say and therefore it furthers a lot of misinformation and a lot of um just plain old ignorance so you know he said some apologies um you know i don't know how you apologize for you know using racist language and stuff like that and you know i just i I just hope what comes from it is that he's more responsible going forward but you know i I still i've i've been a subscriber of spotify for years because the company i used to work for gave us like a free subscription when i left that company i took up a paid subscription um i think it's a quality service and it'd be hard for me to move somewhere else but i you know i don't listen to joe rogan so i feel like that's me doing my part and you know we'll see what what goes on and what goes forward so if you listen to this just you know hit me up on uh twitter instagram or anything and let me know your feelings on joe rogan or if you agree or disagree or you have any ideas on that all right euphoria episode five first impressions from a lot of people on the reaction people are saying like this will be the episode that they submit not only for the the show to possibly um be nominated for an emmy but also for zendaya also for zendaya to repeat yet again as um uh emmy award-winning um lead actress and without a shadow of doubt again this was another episode where like from start to finish was just like intense um just so much like a lot really really going on and it definitely focused on rue but it also kind of brought in some of the other characters uh because uh essentially like rue was like this like tornado that was just sweeping through um all of these people's lives so it begins with rue um being confronted by her mom about you know relapsing and you know her mom knows she's on drugs and rue just becomes like the very like violent and angry and defensive rue and you know the thing like we've been slightly focusing on over the past couple episodes is rue started this business venture quote unquote um started this business venture with karen um the lady from the first episode who's essentially like the plug and from that episode you kind of was like okay where are we gonna go from here is she actually gonna try to sell drugs or is she just using this as a ploy in or you know using her like i said is she using her intelligence um even though she's a drug addict she's still able to use like this great intelligence that she has to kind of like finesse uh, $10,000 worth of drugs from this drug dealer and you were wondering is she actually going to try to sell drugs after you know the initial episode where she you know rides around with Ashray and Fez on their you know mission and that's how you know of course she um 
encountered Karen, was she fascinated by the drug dealing side of things, you know, being, so to speak, on the other side of the counter, um, going from customer to um, entrepreneur, so to speak, or is she just doing this as a ploy to get access to a lot of drugs um, without having to pay for it? And obviously now at the conclusion of this, this is what she did because I said last week she's done, you know, comped herself a lot of the, if she was starting a business, she comped herself a lot of drugs, but she has not sold a single drug. And the situation came to a head because her mom realized that she had relapsed or it seemed like her mom realized that she had relapsed. And in actuality, after Elliot had confessed to Jules in the previous episode that Rue had been doing drugs, Jules took it upon herself to inform her mother and, you know, her sister that, yes, Rue is on drugs. And I don't know if perhaps Elliot also um, disclosed that Rue had this, you know, cachet of drugs in a suitcase because uh, so, somehow her mom found it out and flushed all the drugs down the toilet and you know when you think of that like you kind of think of like goodfellas with um the scene where uh henry's house gets raided and karen uh flushes the drugs down the suitcase and uh henry's like just basically like in panic mode because you know those drugs are like a viable commodity and you know she's essentially like flushing down like thousands of dollars down the toilet and you can't get it back but it's interesting my first reaction to the episode is something i never really picked up on in you know the beginning of all the time that i've been watching a series if you think of the word rue um you know i grew up i actually like took french in college so rue translates to street in french so you know i always thought like the name rue people got it from uh the french word for street but rue this character her name like fits her like a glove because um rue as in the verb is to bitterly bitterly regret something someone has done or has allowed to happen and i think rue is just a character that's just in a constant state of regret because she does all of these she, all of her actions uh seem to have repercussions and she learns very little from it so it's interesting that her name is rue not to get like too too deep into it but that really was like my initial thought like when you hear somebody's you know like you did watch a cartoon and the villain would you know say you know you rule this day and that's what i thought of her and it's interesting that Jules and Elliot were the ones that brought Rue's relapse to light because from Rue's, I mean, from Jules' perspective, like, it was more so concern for Rue. And from Elliot's perspective, he feels like he betrayed her by doing so. And he even says... Uh, he's the one person that was like in the room, you know, as far as Gia, uh, Rue's mom, 
um, Jules and himself, who was like, you know, I liked Rue the way she was, and I, he didn't feel like she needed to change. And uh, last year they had the episode, the Halloween episode, where uh, Jules was dressed like an angel, um, and she was basically inspired by Claire Danes in uh, Romeo and Juliet. But it got me to thinking that in this trouble that you know Rue, Jules, and Eliasson that you know, it's, you know, I go back to like cartoons and it's like, you know, the, the, the con your conscience, you'd have the little devil on your shoulder and the angel on your shoulder. And I think like the little devil would be Elliot in a situation and the angel would be Jules. And the other crazy interesting part was Rue basically hops out of her car, walks into traffic and is just running for her life. And you know, she's anxious because she doesn't want to go into rehab. She's also anxious because she's like, I, how am I going to replace these drugs? I have to find money. I have to pay this woman back. And she bouncing around from place to place, you know, tries to go to Fez's house, tries to go to um this person's house, that person's house. And she ends up at the Howard's and it, it's crazy. Um, Going off of last week, we was kind of wondering where, um, you know, Cassie, Maddie, and Kat, and, you know, where did they go from the whole jacuzzi and Cassie, like, projectile vomiting everywhere, like, where they went from there, and essentially, all those characters were in the house and just hanging out, and uh, Rue shows up thinking, like, yeah, like, you know, comes in saying, like, she really had to use the bathroom, and she looks like she was in, like, poor shape and shit like that, so either Lexi or Sue's uh, got uh, Rue's mom on the line and told her, you know, to, to come over because Rue's there. So Rue goes in the bathroom, comes out of the bathroom, her mom's there, and they basically staged, like, an intervention. And, you know, the phrase, you know, no good deed goes unpunished uh, definitely came to light because Cassie, you know, when, you know, these words of encouragement are being thrown around, Cassie's the one that says, you know, Rue, you know, Rue's saying, like, I can't be sober for a long time. It's clear that I can't be sober for a long time. And Cassie says to her, well, you don't have to do it all, like, at once. Like, just take it one day at a time. And the most unexpected and shocking part of the episode was uh, Rue spills the beans that Cassie and Nate had um, slept together or been sleeping together, which I, I, I totally forgot that Rue did see Cassie getting into um, Nate's truck. So it, I totally did for, I totally forgot that like somebody else knew about them outside of just them and, you know, um, Cal. But the interesting thing about that, that part was that Lexi's only lines were when she answered the door, like she never talked again. Like all you saw was her reaction. So it furthers, you know, the, the, the idea that um, she's essentially her function in this show is to be the observer and just watch all of these train wrecks going on around her and just, you know, document it and somehow turn it into, to, um, some kind of masterpiece with her play. And it's just crazy that Cassie says, you know, she's trying to give words of encouragement and like, 
Rue's basically like, all right, like, thank you for those kind of words, but here I am, I'm going to fuck, fuck up your life. And it just goes on and on. The episode uh, is insane because Rue basically uh, does all of this, like, you know, jumping around from place to place and getting hit by cars and um, hurting herself and basically breaking limbs. And somehow, you know, people uh, on Twitter were talking about, you know, crackhead strength is real. This this whole episode, she's just like um, going through like withdrawal, but also like doing these super duper like athletic feats and like just running around the town trying to like, you know, escape from uh rehab and her friends and family so much so that she runs into she she uh breaks and enters into like this couple's house to steal stuff and because obviously she needs to come up with some kind of money to give to karen because you know obviously she's not going to be able to pay back like the seven thousand um that she owes her so she comes up i think with like 2000 and then like some you know th- she steals like this jewelry and um goods from these people's houses nearly gets caught she runs into the police and she tries to hold herself together and like over and over and over again she has to repeat you know um her reply to the officer saying are you okay or where are you going and she throws up and then the cops bust out of the, you know, they start chasing after her, and she goes on this whole, like, elaborate, like, chase, and to be honest with you, I feel like the episode, it kind of felt like one big-ass, like, long shot, and it was just, like, a fascinating episode, like, visually, it kept you entertained and hooked, um, she eventually ends up, ends up at, like, Fezzer's house, and she go, you know, as we all know, like, Fezzer's grandma is, like, bedridden, and very reliant on medication to stay alive. She goes to Fez's house, again, uses the excuse that she has to use the bathroom. And while Fez and Astray were, weren't paying attention, she goes into her grand, she goes into his grandma's room and tries to steal some pills. Um, and I don't know if like to Fez, because he's probably unaware of the deal she made with Karen. He's thinking like she's stealing pills to use and she's gone so deep into her addiction that she's willing to literally steal from, you know, somebody who genuinely cares about her, which is Fez. But in reality, she was trying to steal the pills to sell them to or to give them back to Karen um, to kind of um, recuperate some of the lost funds for the drugs that her mom uh, flushed down the toilet. And, you know, Fez felt violated, like he kicked her straight out of the house. He's like, you know, you got to go. You got to go. So that's one of many relationships like. Rue is going to have to repair um, going forward. And, you know, I was kind of confused whether or not, like, her cop chase and the whole, like, you know, that that whole thing, whether or not it was real, but apparently it was. Uh, she ends up at Karen's house, obviously, in, you know, 
the the peak of her withdrawal and oddly enough like Aaron was very um it was very ominous is is weird because it felt like is very calm um a very uh monotone like sound i don't even think it had like background music of like karen just talking to her and it kind of went with the same you know the same voice pattern of, of the actress like how she talks like that's very much how you know the scene of karen talking to rue was you know when she was talking telling rue her entire backstory which could be true um couldn't also not be true uh could have been used as a way to make rue feel like she's welcome and she floated a lot of things that sound innocent but it was when you realize like the type of people that these are like some of the more interesting some of the most innocent things they do say could mean some of the most uh devious and treacherous things like she talks about how when she met Rue, she knew that Rue would be in her life for a long time. To somebody, it would be like, oh, she likes her. And, you know, to when you think of the more devious uh, connotation behind it, it's like, no, she's trying to say, like, she owns you now. Like, she bought you with this suitcase of drugs and she can do whatever she wants with you. And also, interesting thing is, I feel like it was, I think this was ex- like the second time she floated the idea of prostituting rue or sex trafficking rue because in the initial meeting when uh rue pitched this whole business venture karen was you know she said yeah if you don't bring me my money back i will find people to kidnap you and do bad things to you and then in this episode she says to her well, you know, as a woman, like you can never go broke because you always have something to sell, which one would assume I'm paraphrasing here, but which is what one would assume is her body. And, you know, I thought like she was going to like, you know, kill her or something. And, you know, she offered to give her morphine. She gives her morphine and then Rue wakes up, I think, like, like in a like in a dawn of day in this random room and she first thing she does is goes to the window it's locked she goes to the door it's um you know the door to the bedroom was actually open but then she goes to the front door and there's like a a padlock on it and a bunch of keys next to it and she's like trying to keep quiet and mind you in this house they got all of these different like parrots and birds and while she's doing it, she's trying to be quiet as hell, not to wake um Karen, uh, the bald-headed dude, and the younger guy that was sleeping on the couch. Like, it was a very, like, tense and suspenseful scene. And she eventually escapes through Karen and the bald dude's, like, bedroom, bathroom window. And I mean, like, in, in retrospect, I don't think they were trying to lock her in. You got to remember, this is a house with, like, a shit ton of drugs. So people might try to break in and steal the drugs. People, um, you know, police might bust in at any time. So that's I, that's why I think they had the door, like, padlocked. I think it, I don't think they especially did it just to keep her in. Um, 
but yeah, it was a great episode. Everybody was talking about like, yeah, this is like the episode they should probably like submit for her um uh, for her Emmy um consideration and also for the show's Emmy consideration. And I saw it last week. I was like, you know, in the middle of the season, last season, I kind of picked up. Um, and this was the fifth episode. It's literally the middle episode, so this one might you know lead to even more entertaining stuff going forward for um six seven and eight so we keep um watching and stay tuned and i'll keep breaking it down and um reacting to it for you guys so we'll talk about it next week all right award of the week for episode 85 will go to damian lillard for not running from the grind for better or for worse. Um, Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers, drafted by the Trailblazers, um, developed with the Trailblazers, became an all-star, probably all NBA player with the Trailblazers. Um, but the furthest they've went as a team is the Western Conference Finals um, years ago against Golden State, where in which I think they were swept. And, you know, he's gone through, uh, you know, it started off with him, CJ McCollum and LaMarcus Aldridge, and they were competitive. Then LaMarcus Aldridge obviously left, went to the Spurs, and then it was just CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, but just – you know, this past weekend, CJ McCollum was traded to the New Orleans Pelicans, um, essentially for players uh, such as Josh Hart, who's a really nice player, but he's not a top tier or elite player. Um, so that created creates a situation where Portland's essentially just Damian Lillard and some guys, and actually, currently Damian Lillard is out and. You know, it's tough to find for guys to, like, force their way out. And, you know, the NBA uh, discourse, you know, whether it be from the media or fans over players, like, uh, leaving small market teams or leaving any team to better situations is always kind of, like, hypocritical because on one side uh, you criticize players for doing so. And then on the other side, you encourage players to do so. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Damian Lillard as far as, you know, him and the Blazers go, um, whether or not over the summer, you know, he, he you know, either he uh, initiates the idea of leaving Portland or Portland just, you know, you know, become honest with themselves and say, like, listen, like, you're our only, like, commodity and we'd be wasting, you know, the last few, you know, he's he's in his 30s now. So you'd be wasting, like, the last few prime years of his career um, and maybe they'd be better off sending him someplace else. So this is neither a negative or a positive award of the week, but it'll be going to Damian Lillard because, you know, his, you know, not running from the grind is – obviously going to be a heavy topic of conversation going forward now that he's without his running mate and in trading um, CJ McCollum, they didn't get like a superstar back. They didn't get a Ben Simmons or, you know, somebody like that where it's like, all right, they could still be super duper competitive. And who knows? Maybe they might shock the world. and actually be 
really competitive because of as of as of recording, um, without Dame, without CJ, obviously they beat the LA Lakers with a healthy AD and a healthy LeBron. So we'll see where things go forward. But this has been award of the week for episode eighty-five. Final thoughts this week, episode eighty-five. Um, Joe Rogan. You know, it's been a news story for like the last two weeks. So possibly there will be more to come. I would expect like a lot more artists to, you know, also start pulling their stuff off of Spotify, you know, before all of a sudden done. Um, But I want to see what the conclusion will be, you know, as I feel like, you know, cancel culture ain't really like a real thing i just feel like it's a market dictating your necessity um you know where which you've seen a lot of people easily be um gotten out of the paint but on the flip side you also seen a lot of people maintain and persevere so to speak while you know being held accountable for um things that may have offended people or you know hurt people so it'd be interesting to see Joe Rogan, who, you know, like on this podcast is, you know, basically spreading his opinion, which uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, because of the platform and his person, you know, take as fact. And, you know, Euphoria, such a great episode. Like I said, Emmy, um, it's, it's the Emmy episode. Like, this is going to be an episode that, people, you know, they give to the voters um to consider you know um zendaya and um you know the show itself and you know the direction from sam levinson and the writing from sam levinson they're gonna consider this for the episode as well you know for the emmys and you know they're also you know gonna take a long look at like you know sydney sweeney because in that episode she has such a a great presence um you know that carried over from the episode prior yeah so we'll keep we'll keep watching all um watching episodes you know it's you know getting into the home stretch with it i think there's three more episodes so three more weeks of madness and greatness at the same time you know it's interesting i said you know that's how i know this show is a hit because you know last season it was kind of like niche it was kind of like something you know some people watch and there wasn't like a great conversation about it on social media now this season i think a lot more people have you know come out and started talking to talking about it and having discussions and it's like trending on twitter a lot more and this is how i know it's a hit because now it's gotten a lot of more like haters um you know people you know coming in to be like contrarians and um dissenters and saying like oh this show ain't even not good this show is stupid and blah 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 blah. so that's how i know um hbo sam levinson and um like i said i I forgot like drake was a producer on it you know they're on to something you know pretty pretty great and pretty significant and it actually got um renewed for a third season so we know this madness will continue but you check out our youtube I know we've been taking uh, 
a little bit of a break, a little bit of hiatus from posting things, but I promise as, you know, things start to start to um, lighten up for me schedule wise, like, you know, everything will be back. Sugar reviews, the brews, um, awarded a week, possibly going to release this week's and last week's together. And, you know, maybe who knows, maybe some more story times. Uh, by the way, last year I did do a series uh, on Black Seeds where I detailed the history of African-Americans in baseball. So if you haven't seen that yet or you're pretty new to the show since then, like, please check that out. It's on a playlist uh, on our YouTube channel. So please like and subscribe that. Of course, follow us on social media um, at Shook Me the Mooney on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see you next week for episode 86 of Shug Mira Mooney, Shug Mira Mooney, Shug Mira Mooney.